So the first thing I really did was I created this, I would call it like a consumer research survey. It was just a survey that I ended up sending to like 20 of my close friends and colleagues. Um, and they were forwarding it to their network. And, you know, at the end, 200 people had taken it. It was just over, it was over the course of a weekend. And, and, um, you know, at first I was like, you know, I'd be happy if I got like 20 responses, like, wow, like 50 would be amazing. Um, but I think the fact that people were responding and forwarding and really, you know, by the end of the weekend, I had 200 responses that gave me a lot of motivation to keep going. And, um, you know, along with those responses, a lot of people were also emailing me saying like, wow, like this, like somebody should totally like, you know, build a new brand. And and that was sort of like the first thing where I was like, okay, like, let's, let's keep going. Hey, visionaries, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am sitting down with Zenia Chen. And not only is Zenia a client of mine, we work together on her marketing strategy, but she is also the incredible founder behind Threads. Threads is a hosiery brand for men and for women, totally unisex, making products that are innovating in the industry of tights and staples in our wardrobes that need improvement. So you are absolutely going to love hearing the story about how Xenia essentially went from being in investment banking and having parents who really wanted her to follow the typical path of what it looked like to be successful after immigrating to Canada. And then we hear her story of essentially identifying a pain point. And she was wearing tights every day with her own work and started to recognize that the quality just wasn't there. And through conversation and just waking up every idea, every day to this idea, Xenia eventually decided to take action and start to explore whether this was a viable business idea. So she shares a lot of her behind the scenes secrets on what she did to get validation in those early days. She talks about how she found a manufacturer, what some of her early marketing efforts were. And then we go into talking about what her team looks like today, areas that she's currently up leveling, and I really, really think you're going to love this conversation. So I would highly encourage you, if you are looking for some new wardrobe staples, to go get yourself some threads, to also join their email list because they do teaser Tuesdays and you can win some really fun prizes, and to go follow their content on social media as well because they're always putting out good wardrobe styling tips and some amazing content that I think you're going to love. So enjoy my conversation with Xenia Chen. Xenia, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Normally when we talk, we're talking about marketing and business growth strategies, but today the spotlight is on you. We are so excited to hear how Threads came to be and to learn a little bit more about your backstory. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Super excited to chat with you today, Kelsey. So I know that your background was actually in finance and working in investment banking. So can you give us a little snapshot of what you were up to before launching the business? Yeah, for sure. So I uh, started my career in finance. Um, to give you a little bit of background, um, me and my parents immigrated to Canada when I was five years old. And, you know, for my entire life, I was sort of, you know, sold the, you know, the immigrant path to success is to go to a good school, get a stable, high paying job and, you know, engineering or, you know, being a doctor or something. And, you know, that's the path to success. So for the longest time, you know, that was sort of my path. Um, I went to Queens, studied business there, uh, majored in finance, and I started my career in investment banking on Bay Street. Um, so I worked in investment banking and then private equity, um, never thought that I would be an entrepreneur. It just was not on my radar. I think growing up, I always thought people who were entrepreneurs were like the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world or, you know, like the, you know, that, that archetype. Um, so anyway, so 2014 start working, I'm wearing a lot of business attire and 
I'm almost like every single day wearing tights or nylons or stockings. Um, and you know, I, I felt like I was at the point where I had a go-to brand for almost every single thing for my blazers, for my shoes, socks, whatever, but I could not find a good tights brand that I really loved. Um, you know, something that was comfortable, well-designed and also affordable. Um, I felt like you're either going to a European name brand that has been around for like literally 200 years um, and you're spending a lot of money on that or you go to the drugstore, you spend, you know, $10 on a pair that's affordable, but it's terrible quality, doesn't match your skin tone, you get like one wear out of it. So um, every time I complained about this at work, all of my female colleagues would also sort of chime in. And it was this pain point, it was this shared frustration that every woman in my life felt. So it, you know, 2014, I started feeling it. Um, it was almost like every single time I put on a pair of tights, was like very frustrated by either how much it cost or how uncomfortable it was. And I just knew that this was a problem that I felt, but um, also a lot of women out there felt. So that's sort of the story of how Threads came to be. Um, so, I mean, I sort of sat on this idea for, for a while. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know what the solution was going to be. I just knew that there was a problem that needed to be solved other women felt it. What can we do about this? So um, I actually ended up moving to New York for work um, for a few years where, you know, I put the idea on pause and then came back, started feeling the same frustrations all over again and sort of got to a point where I realized, you know, I'm thinking about this all the time. If I don't do something about it, I think I'm really going to regret it. So um, it was actually in 2018, in January 2018, that's when I started to sort of put pen to paper and start working on what came to be threads. Mm. Such an incredible story. There's a few things I want to pick apart from that. It's interesting because I think a lot of us, we kind of go about our days and we encounter friction, whether it's when we put on tights or when we go to like clean a pot on the stove or whatever it is. And then there's some times when we think, I could do this better, but then the idea just kind of fades away. But it sounds like with you, it was more persistent, like almost like it was trying to show you this is your calling. So it's neat to identify those, um, just those moments where you're like, okay, that is something that could be improved, but I don't feel passionate about it. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and think about this versus something that you're like, there's a, a big challenge with women's hosiery and I can't shake this idea. And then thinking maybe I'm the one that's supposed to improve it. Yeah, totally. You know, um, when I was working in investment banking, a lot of my male it was predominantly male a lot of those colleagues were always brainstorming like business ideas. Like a lot of them did have the entrepreneurial bug and they wanted yeah. to do something beyond that. And, you know, a lot of the times like at dinner, we would be like brainstorming like ideas, like mostly coming from them. And, you know, it just seemed like this idea of sort of disrupting the hosiery industry, making a better product was just so, so much more obvious than a lot of the ideas that they were sort of brainstorming. And it was almost like a no brainer in a way. Like it just mm -hmm. like, it, it almost seemed like everywhere I went, this idea was just like staring at yeah. me in the face. Um, and again, like, as I mentioned, every time I talk to any of our, you know, like admin staff or any woman who wore tights, yeah, it, it was almost like this visceral reaction. Like you were almost like bonding over this like dislike of, you know, the tights that were currently currently on the market. And I know you had this moment, you shared it in another podcast episode that you were featured on that you said, okay, if I were to wake up tomorrow and somebody else built out this idea, I would be mad. So was that kind of the moment that you decided to start taking action? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I think I just sort of got to the point in my life where I realized like, you know, you don't really want to be 90 years old looking back and realizing that you should have done this like you know would have done that like I just didn't really want to be that version of myself that didn't take risks and didn't try stuff especially when this idea was nagging at me for years right so um so of course there was you know a part of it that was like oh well if somebody else did it you know I'd be like well why not me but then there was also this other side where it was like well I want to just try to 
you know, like for myself, like, so I can be proud of myself and know that, you know, even if it doesn't go anywhere, at least I tried sort of like putting this whole thing to rest in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what were some of those first steps that you took? Did you get the logo designed right away? Did you try to find a manufacturer? Did you write an extraordinary business plan? Like take us back to some of those key things that you said, okay, I'm going to spend the little time I have outside of work working on what? Yeah. So uh, you know what? It, It seems so silly to say, but at the beginning, I didn't think of it like, okay, let me build out a brand. I'm going to start a business. I just, I always wanted to, you know, do the, do enough work to figure out, okay, does this idea have legs or not? So I think, you know, at the time I like quitting my job and starting a business was so far from where I was mentally that I knew that like I had to work on it as like a, you know, quote unquote project on the side in order for me to do it, if if that makes sense. Um, so really the first, so, so by the way, I did this for, I did both jobs for a year and a half before I finally left. So um, as you mentioned, it was mostly on evenings and weekends and just really like any other time that I could get, um, you know, away from my full-time job. So the first thing I really did was I created this, I would call it like a consumer research survey. It was just a survey that I ended up sending to like 20 of my close friends and colleagues. um, And they were forwarding it to their network. And, you know, at the end, 200 people had taken it. It was just over, it was over the course of a weekend. And, and, um, you know, at first I was like, you know, I'd be happy if I got like 20 responses, like, wow, like 50 would be amazing. Um, but I think the fact that people were responding and forwarding and really, you know, by the end of the weekend, I had 200 responses that gave me a lot of motivation to keep going. And, um, you know, along with those responses, a lot of people were also emailing me saying like, wow, like this, like somebody should totally like, you know, build a new brand. And and that was sort of like the first thing where I was like, okay, like let's, let's keep going. Um, so in the survey, what I was asking was, you know, like, what's your current favorite brand? Like, what are the features that you like? What are the features you don't like? What's in your perfect wish list of the perfect pair of tights? Um, you know, how loyal are you to your current brand that you buy from? Like, it was like 20 questions of just like purchase preferences and um, kind of like what they want in their dream tights. Um, and it was from this data that I really started to build out our first prototype. Um, and of course, like, you know, we have much fresher data now or constantly talking to our customers and constantly, um, you know, getting feedback from them. But I would say that this survey is truly what kickstarted it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the first product that we launched with, um, that product is now the Sheer Contour Tights, which is one of our bestsellers. I think it's actually the number one bestseller. And of course, it's evolved a lot from where it was when we first launched. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the sheer contour tights, I, I would say like that was pretty much born from that survey alone. Incredible. So with those 200 people that filled out the survey, I'm sure a lot of them were giving you validation of, yes, we want this, we need this. On the other side, were you being met with any feedback or just people who maybe were doubting in the potential of this idea? And if so, how did you navigate some of those people who maybe didn't see the vision? So, you know what? Not really, actually. Um, I, I, I feel like because I had talked about this idea for literally years before I did anything, and I just knew that it was frustration and a problem, um, among women and, you know, later on, like among men too, but we can can talk about that later. Um, so I, I knew it was a problem. Like, you know, it was a no brainer that like this needed to be solved. Um, I think where there could have been doubt is maybe, you know, people who, you know, I think everyone and their mother has a business idea these days. Um, and you know, there are people who talk about it for years, but they don't do anything. So, I think maybe where there was doubt was maybe people thought like, oh, this is a cool idea, but like, are you going to do anything about it? You know what I mean? So, um, but generally, no, I, I like to think that, you know, the friends that I keep around and the network and, you know, people are very encouraging and and positive. Um, I think where actually the people who are like the biggest supporters ever, but 
uh, they thought I was crazy at the time were my parents, right? Mm-hmm. They, they yeah. were like, you know, you have this like incredible job. Um, and now you're going to like sell pantyhose. Like I think <laughs> I, you know, at the time I was just doing it on the side. So they were like, oh, cool. Like, you know, this is like a nice post-work extracurricular yeah. for you. Like, that's great. Um, but I think, you know, as it was getting more serious, they were like, oh, okay. Like, so this is like, this is a business. Like this is, this is a thing. Um, not in like a mean way or anything, but I think, um, again, like my parents dream was to, you know, come to Canada, like, so, you know, we could have a better life and all that. And I think for them to see me sort of, you know, get there almost and, you know, almost like throw it away, like, um, was probably scary for them because they were like, well, what are you, what are you doing? Right. So, um, but overall, like, I, I think I'm lucky in that I wasn't really met with a lot of doubt. Um, I will say like, I have the most supportive group of girlfriends that really helped me out at the beginning. Um, even from, you know, from product testing to our first photo shoot where we used them and just being like the first customers, I think they have been super instrumental in building threads and, you know, I'm so, so grateful for that. Um, so, so actually I think, you know, one of the tips that I would give people is just, Make sure that you're surrounding yourself with great people that want the best for you and, you know, are very supportive and are truly there for you. Because I I don't know how far I would have gotten if I didn't have those girlfriends around me. Mm, that's such a good point. And we don't often discuss this on the podcast, but you're right. You have to have people who are lifting you up and who are supportive versus people who doubt in your abilities or you know, just secretly don't want to see you succeed. So I think that's always a good check-in to say, am I feeling good in the presence of the people that I spend the most time with? And to have, like you say, a supportive group of girlfriends, that is invaluable. Like you cannot even put a price tag on that. So that's really wonderful. Now, I'm very curious, how long did it take you from the point of, you know, you had this idea of how you were going to improve posery and make tights better how long did it take to actually get the uh, final product like obviously you had to find a manufacturer and you had to make sure that the quality was there what is a typical timeline and what did yours look like so for us it was about nine months so I started really working on the business in January 2018 launched the initial prototype in September of 2018 so I would say, yeah, nine, nine months, give or take, um, that, I mean, now when we're developing products, it's, you know, it's quicker and, you know, we have sort of like the base. Um, but it was, I mean, I have no experience in textiles, manufacturing, like no connections. Like I just was relying on good old Google, um, which honestly, like in this era, like you can find a lot of stuff on Google. And I was reaching out to manufacturers all over the world. Um, You know, a lot of these products are being manufactured in China and in Asia, but also a lot in Europe. They're sort of like the, like the grand fathers of hosiery, you know? Um, And I, like, I would literally get home from work at 8 PM and then I would like be online, like, emailing, talking to suppliers, manufacturers, going back and forth. Um, I think I, I initially reached out to maybe like 40 or 50 manufacturers oh, wow. and that gets narrowed down, right? So essentially I would go to them, pitch my like idea to them. Um, I think that's one thing that people don't really understand is like you're, you're pitching to suppliers, you're pitching to like everyone in your supply chain. Like it's not just like investors that you're pitching to you know like every single thing that you're doing in the early days is is a sales pitch right so whether it's your customers or your manufacturers like you want people to really buy into your idea and you know a lot of these manufacturers they work with these huge huge brands and you know the revenue that you're going to bring them at the beginning is just a drop in the bucket like it doesn't even matter so I guess you have to really convince them like why should they give you the time of day like why should they you know, put in like X amount of work and get like Y revenue while, you know, they could do the same and, you know, basically like a hundred X that revenue with, 
with, you know, one of the incumbent brands that they're working with. So I think that's um, something that a lot of the times when people are starting, they don't realize that they just assume that they can go to a manufacturer and be like, all right, like make the thing like done. Um, and I mean, we, so the prototype that we, uh, made with our first manufacturer, we're actually not using them anymore. So we, um, at the time it was a manufacturer in China and now we're manufacturing in Italy. Um, so, you know, it's like, you have to really try out a bunch of things. And, um, some of the times, um, you know, you can get a quote and it's, it's a low price, but that's that's not necessarily the people that you want to go with, right? Like, I think you want to balance um, cost, of course, quality, but then also it's like, are these the partners that you want to be growing with? Because if not, like, that's that's a little bit of a non-starter, right? Um, and I found that one of the reasons that we left our manufacturer in China was they were huge. So they really were not being flexible when it came to minimum orders, um, I felt like I just wasn't really getting the time of day from them. Yeah. Um, and they weren't really as interested in like the innovation and, um, it was, it was very just, um, like it was a true factory, you know, like you go in, like you go out and there's not really a lot of creativity there, yeah. I thought. Um, so, you know, the partners that we have now in Italy, Actually, funnily enough, they were the first people that I reached out to back in, you know, January 2018. And I don't know, I think we just sort of like fell off, but um, we've been working with them now since 2019. They're amazing. Um, Such great partners, just a lot of flexibility and like really, you know, buying into the vision and the product and and true, true partners in, in every sense of the word. That's incredible. So once you got your initial shipment of products, what were some of the key things that you were doing to acquire customers and to spread the word? Was it mostly digital? Did you do in-person events in Toronto or was it a hybrid of the two? Yeah, so um, oh, lots of lots of lessons there. Um, <laughs> of course. With the first shipment, I I mean, we always joke that we have we still have the first shipment part of it in my parents' basement um, because like the product has evolved so much since then. And like, we're, you know, we're not going to sell the, yeah. the old stuff. Um, they're like going to be relics, but yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, so lo- lots of lessons and lots of mistakes um, from our first shipment. So I ordered, I don't know, I want to say like maybe like 4,000 pieces to start. That's a lot. Um, so, so a lot. Um I didn't know at the time that when someone tells you this is the minimum order quantity, that it's it's negotiable. Like it's not like they'll say this is the minimum, but like it's all negotiable. So I, I want people to know that um, there's a lot of flexibility there. Um, whether or not they're going to give you that flexibility, that's another question. But in general, like there is flexibility. I didn't really know that. Um, I also wanted to launch with three colors at the time, which, um, I probably should have just launched with one. You know, I think whenever I talk to like aspiring entrepreneurs, I always say like, try to launch with the minimum number of SKUs you can launch with. Um, just because for us, like we had different sizes and, you know, um, but my goal at the beginning was just to figure out, okay, does this idea have legs or not? Like, you know, do I continue? Um, I was actually having a conversation recently with a friend who is thinking about starting her own business. And she was asking me, you know, at what point did you figure out the product market fit? And my answer to that was, I don't think there was just this one point in time. I, I, I thought about it in terms of levels and stages. So it was like, okay, at this stage, what is the answer that I need to keep going? And like, if I got that answer, I want to keep going. But then like, you know, the next stage, what is the answer I need? That? So so with this stage, it was like, is there going to be market uptake? Um, so when I launched, it was completely word of mouth. We didn't spend any money on paid ads because I just wanted to see what the organic response was going to be. Yeah. Um, so of course, I blasted the launch to those 200 people. They were forwarding it to their colleagues and their friends and so on and so so forth. Yeah. Um, so, you know, launch week, it was it was pretty it was pretty big. Um, and you know, at the time we were fulfilling orders on our own. So I would 
go up to my parents' house on the weekend, you know, involve my sisters and my mom, and we would all fulfill these orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at that point, it was like, like the volume was, it was quite big for, you know, just, just the four of us. Um, and for a long time, we were completely just, you know, organic, word of mouth. Like, um, we obviously had social media, um, but really no additional spend until I wanted to figure out, you know, am am I going to continue with this? Like what's the next step sort of, um, so yeah, that was, I mean, it wasn't really like a formal marketing strategy. Again, this all sounds so silly, like looking back four years later. Um, but it was really like a mess at the beginning, I would say. Um, but at the end of the day, like I did get the answer that I was looking for, which was, does this have traction? Like, does this have enough interest that I want to keep going to the next step? And I think it's really important to have these conversations too, and to showcase that not every entrepreneur has this elaborate plan with hundreds of contingency plans. And instead they usually just dive in. And like you said, it's kind of like, what proof do I need today in order to wake up tomorrow and continue to drive this business forward and looking for those clues that this is working and then obviously paying attention to what's not working and using that problem solving part of your brain to say, okay, well, if this isn't working tomorrow, I will try a different strategy. So it's not like the best way to launch a business is to go into a dark cave and to write this perfect plan and edit it 500 times. Sometimes you do need to take calculated risks, but get yourself out there and start having conversations, build community, get those 200 survey responses. And if you're getting that validation that you're onto something, that's when you can start to write little plans in the background. Visionaries, I've been scheming something new for you with my friend and professional mindset coach, Emily Elliott. It's called Your 2023 Leap, and it is a highly anticipated program created by myself, a marketing coach, and Emily Elliott, a professional mindset coach. Your 2023 Leap is the most practical and effective way to change the way you do business and life in 2023 and beyond. This is a program where you'll get tools every single week that are literally going to change how you interact with this world and how you earn in this world. Combined, Emily and I have worked with thousands of women, and now you can get 12 weeks of access to us alongside a group of peers for a very, very low cost. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. But don't sign up yet. First, I want to ensure that you're ready for what's to come. We start on February 1st, and it is a 90-day group coaching program. So I want to make sure you're ready to actually master your entrepreneurial mindset. You're not going to be someone who is okay with the status quo, okay making what you used to make in your corporate job. I want to make sure you're ready to implement marketing strategies too that are going to connect you with the growth and the unlimited clients you're looking for in just 90 days. I also want to make sure you're ready to take big leaps in your personal goals. So we know that as we grow personally, we also grow professionally. So if you're experiencing a block, maybe it's because of how you grew up or something that's been downloaded onto you, it is affecting your capacity to grow your business. So we're going to teach you science-backed techniques to undo the blocks, break through them, and then apply the right techniques to actually see your business soar. I want to make sure you're ready to use social media to convert clients, to build simple sales funnels. No complication here. That's not my vibe. I'm going to teach you how to use Google and SEO, which is going to be your long-term strategy for getting more clients and patients and people into your business. And you also need to be ready to be surrounded by a group of people who have a fire under their butt, who are ready to 2x, 5x, or 10x their success, their confidence, and their client bookings in 2023. If you don't like being around people who are kicking ass and winning in life, this group is not for you. (laughs) So if you join your 2023 leap, and if you're ready to join right now, go to kelseyridle.com slash 2023. But you're going to save time. You're going to equip yourself essentially with a million dollar mindset and marketing strategies to get yourself to your version of success 
in limited time. So we're saving you time when you join this program. You're going to save money because normally if you were to hire both Emily and I, so Emily as your mindset coach, me as your marketing consultant, we would charge you more than (laughs) $12,000. So it's not affordable for a lot of people at their stage of business. However, you can join your 2023 leap for less than $3,000. And we even have payment plans to make it super accessible so that you'll earn the money back in the course. And we're going to save you energy because group momentum is real. I've been part of so many great group coaching programs and you're among expanders. So you show up to the weekly call Everybody shares their wins, their successes, and of course there's time to share challenges and then we work through it and then the wheel starts rolling really fast because you hear that Sarah just had her first 10K month. You hear that Kristen has grown her practice by 36%. You hear that Taryn just tripled her application rate. It's insane. And you're going to go out and chase that too. So don't wait a minute longer. Your 2023 leap is for 20 individuals who want to access the tools and the techniques they need to reach their 2023 goals in business. We're going to be meeting on zoom one time weekly for 90 minutes for 12 consecutive weeks. And there's constant support in between. So you have access to Emily and I for 90 days. You could literally message us every day over the 90 days and get full access, squeeze that value of $12,000 out. We are so excited. This is going to be game changing and you can learn more and sign up at kelseyridle.com slash 2023. See you inside. Totally. Yeah. I am such a big fan of, you know, doing the work to figure out if you should make the binary decision, right? Like yes or no. Um, and then, and then like proceeding, I think, um, you know, I, I feel like I had to unlearn a lot of stuff for my corporate life Mm -hmm. and that was a hundred percent one of them. Um, so I, I came from a world where everything needs to be perfect before it goes out. Like, you know, the deck needs to be perfect and the logos need to be aligned and like every, you know, the formatting needs to be like exact and all that stuff, which, you know, totally understand the value of that, um, in a position like that, but being an entrepreneur, that's not what it's about. You need to do the work to figure out, am I going to do this? Am I not like, you need to just keep moving things along. Um, so I think my first year where I was completely doing threads, that was definitely something that I had to keep telling myself, okay, no, like this is, this is good enough to go out. Like, let's just send this out. Um, or like, let's just make this change. Like, let's test it out. Like it doesn't have to be like the perfect final version of it forever. Um, so I would say that was like definitely an interesting, um, mindset, mindset shift for me. So in that first year, you were probably wearing all of the hats, right? You're kind of picking up all the tasks and spearheading all the projects. At what point did you bring somebody into your team? And what was one of the first things you outsourced for? Because you knew this isn't my wheelhouse. I need help. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what? I still think I wear a lot of hats. And I think you're like, I think the the misconception with a lot of people is that, you know, you're a founder and then you can be like, you know, a CEO and you can outsource stuff. But I really think that if you want to do a good job in outsourcing and hiring, you need to do the work yourself to figure out what the work is like and what needs to be hired for. Mm -hmm. Um, So my first hire, she came in in 2019, uh, I'd say fall of 2019 she was a general biz ops hire, um, more on the junior side. And she was just really helping move like everything. Um, at the time we were, we were fulfilling our own orders, um, from our office at a co-working space. Um, so she was doing a little bit of that. She was just like really helping me with, um, just like whatever I needed help with. I just needed like a second person. Um, so she was there for just a few months Um, and she ended up, you know, moving on to work, um, at a tech company. Um, and then for a while during the pandemic in 2020, I was on my own. And then after that, I hired, um, a digital marketing manager. So it's, it's interesting whenever people ask me about like, what's your first hire? What should my first hire be? It's like, 
your first hire will be different at different points of your business. So 2019, my first hire, my first hire, quote unquote, was, you know, BizOps associate. And, you know, one year later, my first hire there was a digital marketing manager. So those two roles are very, very different because, you know, your business can change a lot Mm -hmm. in the one year. So I think that answer can only be answered by yourself. Like, I think you need to figure out like, okay, what are my own skills? What does my business look like? What does my business need? And sort of mishmash those two and figure out like, okay, what is the hire that I can make that really fills that role right now? Um, and I think another thing is with um, our digital marketing manager who is still with us um, two and a half years later, I really wanted to make sure that she could do the job that I needed in 2020. Then she could also grow into the job she has now. Um, so, you know, that's managing other people on the team and really leading, not just, you know, being like the only person that works with me. So I think that's very important as well. Um, I mean, I always think that with every hire you make, there's always lessons and, um, a lot of, a lot of learnings, but I think hiring is one of the most important things you can do. I really just think that the only way that you can really grow your business in a nice, healthy, sustainable way is to hire good people, you know, get them up to speed, get them really like aligned with your brand vision and what you're doing and sort of grow from there. Um, I, I also feel like every single person you bring on ever will leave some sort of an imprint on your business, whether that's good or bad, right? Like I think every single person that has worked here has, um, left their own sort of like stamp or like their own like flavor, like into, into the business. And so, I mean, that being said, obviously if it's a great hire, like amazing, but if it's a not so great hire, like unfortunately like it'll be it might be like the same right so um you know that quote that people say it's like hire slow fire fast Mm -hmm. yeah yeah fire fast hire slow um i think that's so true i think um a lot of the times like for now we we always you know have people do like a part-time or like a contract position before we hire them Mm -hmm. on a full-time basis and you know it's it's to protect both ends, right? Because I think when you're working at an early stage business or an early stage startup, like it's very, like you're not as insulated from the ebbs and flows as you are when you're at a bigger company. So I think sometimes you might think like, oh, it's so fun to work at a startup, but like it might not be for you, right? So, um, you know, I think that trial period is really helpful for both parties. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I love that visual of that everybody who comes into your company leaves some sort of impact. It's like even the systems they set up, you may, if it didn't work out, have to like undo a lot of totally. bad cause by them. So it's yeah. really making sure you put the time and energy into hiring somebody who sees the vision and who resonates with the story and who not only has the skill set but really wants to help you build something bigger. So I think that's a really good takeaway tip. Yeah. So I'm very curious at this point when somebody asks you to explain what Threads is, what do you say and where is the business at today? Yeah. So we say that we are a modern hosiery and intimates brand, Um, actually a modern unisex hosiery and, and intimates brand. So our differentiation really is every single product we put out, we design using the feedback and data and input from real people. And that's why we call ourselves modern is because when I first started out, I realized that a lot of the molds that these traditional brands were using were from like the seventies or the eighties, which is just insane. Right. Because I think our use case for tights and clothes is, is different now than it was 50 years ago. Um, So truly like whenever we launch a new product, we go out and we ask our customers, um, you know, what do you think is missing with what's on the market? What do you currently like? Um, sort of like the same set of, like not same, but like similar set of questions as I asked in the first survey that I sent out. And we use this data to, and it's like, you know, live fresh data. And we, we take this to our manufacturer and we, you know, we work on, okay, well, what are like the solutions for this? So for example, I'll give you some, um, you know, examples of, of the feature. So 
um, we one of our like fan favorite features is the contoured control top. So we designed this because a lot of people out there were saying, you know, I love the idea of like control and shaping, but a lot of the times it's like way too tight. Mm -hmm. It's like uncomfortable to get on and it like leaves marks on your skin. It's just very, very tight. Um, So what we did is we actually added these targeted compression bands that only shape and lightly compress the areas that you want. So really like the front of the stomach, the sides, and it actually lifts your bum instead of flattening it. So it just feels like a really nice, comfortable hug. It's really hard to describe um, unless you sort of try it out. But we have a lot of like flight attendants who wear it for like 18 hours Mm. on a flight and and they love it. So um, just a very little thing that, you know, I think for someone who's not wearing it, they may not understand, but it like makes a huge difference. And like another thing is um, we have what we call our realistic leg length. So um one of the biggest problems that people were saying about their tights was that they were too short and you end up with like the double crotch issue where the actual where your actual crotch is way higher than your tights um so what we did um, what we did is we took the measurements of real women and we actually corresponded the leg lengths to the like the a b c d e f size um we found a lot of the ones in the market they have the same leg length um regardless of size which is just insane right like somebody who's a size a should not be the same leg length as someone who's a size f like i understand there's a lot of stretch but this is the reason why people complain about the double crotch issue so um again it's just these little features that are you know thoughtful and are crowdsourced that we really implement into our products um and last year we actually started launching products that were um, beyond tight so we actually um, launched our, actually have a pair right here, our reusable nipple stickies. Um, so it's called Threads because we eventually want to expand to lots of different products that are wardrobe basics. So things that you absolutely need in your wardrobe, but maybe um, they're kind of like afterthoughts. Um, so these are just, you know, invisible, reusable, um, very seamless. So these are These have been a huge hit. Um, and yeah, we're, we're really excited to be designing products beyond tights. Um, and that was sort of like our first, first go at it. And one of the unexpected markets that you're now serving is men. How did you discover that men were using and loving threads products? Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned before, when we first launched, it was completely organic word of mouth. Um, a few months in, we decided, okay, let's try to run some Facebook ads. So as you know, the Facebook algorithm is very smart. And even if you are targeting women, sometimes we'll just serve your ad to the people that are most likely to buy your product. So, um, for us, it was, it was men. And we, we didn't know that at the time, we started getting orders from men and at first i thought okay maybe they're just buying them as gifts or you know maybe people from the drag community um but i have this email that comes from me after every first purchase that asks you know like what's your feedback like is there anything we can do better and um we were getting a lot of these email responses from men and they were saying you know, like I'm buying them for myself, like I wear them for compression and for warmth and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so that was really interesting. I had no idea. Um, and of course, there are men who are part of the cross-dressing community or the drag community that wear them, you know, more for fun. Um, but then there are also men part of the cis hetero, you know, community um, who will buy a pair for themselves and a pair for their wives. So, they are wearing them for comfort, um, compression, for warmth. We have a lot of guys that work outdoor jobs that will wear them under their uniforms to prevent ticks. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a lot of army guys that will wear them, which is super interesting. Um, and turns out, like, there is this massive, like, underground segment. And I say underground because I feel like a lot of these traditional host rebrands have known about this for years, but they are just, for some reason or another, they are not really marketing to them, Um, which of course is like an opportunity for us, right? Like I think a lot of these men, um, they're just so excited that there's like a a modern brand that actually is speaking to men and women. So um, yeah, and like, you know, since 
since that, like, you know, as we're running more and more ads and as we, you know, have more content that is more geared towards men, we're just getting more and more um, male customers. And it almost, it's so obvious, like, stay in touch with your customers, always be in conversation with the people who are using your product, pay attention to the data that's presenting itself. But it's almost so right in front of us that sometimes we forget that so many of the answers to where we need to double down on growth are already right in front of us. Like we're looking for all these like genius opportunities or it's like, what is that innovative new way to connect with people? And it's like, just review what's already happening inside of your business. Yeah. Where did your last 20 customers come from? Can you reach out to them? Can you talk to them? Because that's probably where the sparks are going to fly. For sure. Um, and just on that note, um, something that we've tried doing that has worked really well for us is, you know, I think we have a certain way of like describing tights, like we as in women. Um, but, you know, that type of language might not resonate with men. So what we were doing is we we're coming through our reviews by men and we were looking at how are they describing our product? And we were using that language to reflect in our ads. Um, and we realized like once we sort of did that rehaul, like those ads that were targeted towards men were performing way better because all of a sudden we're using the language that they're using. Like it's clicking. Um, so yeah, like very, like it's, yeah, sometimes it's like literally right in front of you. Like it's free. Like you don't need to like do anything crazy to tap into that, like unlock of growth. Um, but yeah, it's so like, it's so important to do like an internal audit, mm -hmm. like, like often, because I think, you know, when you're first starting your business, like things are changing so quickly that it's, it's really easy for answers to be in front of you, but then for them to be totally missed. You mentioned that you're still wearing a lot of hats in the business and as founders and entrepreneurs, we're always learning, always needing to grow and expand our skill sets. I'm curious, is there a skill or something that you're currently investing time or energy and money into learning personally or professionally? Um, I mean, like a lot of stuff. I, I actually, I love like learning, you know, new, like, hands-on skills. And, um, I think I've gotten a lot better at design in the past two years. Oh, Thank you to Canva that has, you know, made it, made it a lot easier. Um, yeah. that has been, you know, super cool. Um, I think like, you know, video editing, like that's another mm -hmm. thing. Like, it, you know, my team is always like teaching me like the new apps and, and all that. So like, that's, that's really cool. I just, I guess I don't ever want to be um, you know, like I want to know generally how things work in, in the business and in, you know, even though social media is, um, my, uh, teammate Becca's realm, I still want to know like what's going on. Like what is the algorithm telling us right now? Like what are, you know, what ads are being favored? So, mm -hmm. um, I just like, that's like maybe just like my personality and maybe like along the, like, down the line, like I'm going to need to stop doing that or else it's too, it's too much. But for, yeah. for now, I think, um, it's super cool because if you want to learn anything about like anything, you literally just go on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's like hundreds of people that will like teach you. And, and I think especially when it comes to like the more technical side, like whether it's like web, web development or design and, and, um, and things like that. And I think it allows you too to just have more intelligent conversations with the people who work with you, right? It shows that you care yeah. about the roles that they're spearheading and yet you may not go as in depth as they do down the learning rabbit hole, but yeah. at least to know what's going on and to keep a pulse, uh, you can continue to generate ideas on behalf of the entire business, but then maybe figure yes. out how to translate them to specific avenues. So I think that's yeah. really wonderful. And yeah, there's never a shortage of needing to learn new things. And I think that's the best part about being an entrepreneur, but can also be the most overwhelming. It's like, oh, this is going to be a lifelong learning. Like I'm never just coasting yeah. in this job. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And you know what? I also think it's important to know how to like do certain things. Like for example, like Facebook ads and like Google analytics, like if you don't know like anything at all about that, like how are you reasonably going to get like a quote or an estimate from an agency? Right. And like understand like what metrics are going to be talking about and what's like a reasonable growth rate and you know, what's yeah. not a reasonable growth rate. Like, I just think that like, if you 
don't know the basics of that. Like, how are you going to go into a negotiation or a discussion and know how well this, you know, outsourced agency is, is performing? Like, I think that's where a lot of people, you know, I think real, like they realize after the fact, like, oh, like maybe like the link, like click through rate, like that they were proposing is actually like way lower than like what it should be and whatever. Yep. Yeah. Makes you a little bit more savvy when people are potentially scamming you. So totally. (laughs) So Zenia, this has been so good. I feel like there's so much more to the story, but maybe we could always do a part two. So if people want to get their hands on threads, if they want to connect with you and maybe ask you a question personally about your founder's journey, where are the best places for them to find you and connect with you? So um, you can go on our website. It's yourthreads.co. So Y-O-U-R-T-H-R-E-A-D-S dot C-O. Um, we're also on Instagram. So threads.co. Um, and we do a Friday AMA every week. Um, so I'll you know go on and I'll answer questions. So um, it's anything from like product questions or business building questions. Um, so I think that's probably the best way to um chat with me and like we we love getting all sorts of questions um but yeah this flew by (laughs) it always (laughs) does and thank you so much for sharing your story for opening up about the journey and we will link everything you shared in the show notes so that people can go connect with you and find you and we wish you all of the best as you continue to grow threads thanks so much kelsey it was lovely being here Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method Business Coaching Experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.